0: pushing buttons, and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny.
1: Welcome to Gun Funny episode 96. Today I'm in a chat with Leslie Hollywood from Rally for Our Rights, talk about a 36-inch mortar, what I would do if I won the lottery, and discuss the high point, name the nine fiasco. I am your host, Ava Flannell. Leslie, I got to say, it's an honor to have somebody who is in the same state so that uh, I can, you know, have somebody to complain to about all of this rain that we've been getting. Isn't it kind of insane?
2: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Although I have to say it'll probably stop and then we'll kind of miss it. So I'm trying to just take it for what it is right now. But yeah, I I was actually down in Pueblo all weekend and came home and we had way more rain here than we had down there. So,
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna miss it. I think I'm at this point in my life where I might just have to build an ark. I don't know, because <laughs> <laughs> it is insane. I don't remember it ever raining this much in Colorado. Now, before we get into it, let's talk about our friends at Manicore Arms. Manicore Arms makes a bunch of different products, but today I have my eyes on the triangle stock. I have it on my AK. If you own an AK, I highly recommend it. Uh, hence the name, you know, it looks like a triangle, but it fits your shoulder really nice. It has a kind of a, some a curve to it. Uh, The back has like a machined rib pattern to give you a good grip on the shoulder. And then depending on the hinge that you use, uh, you can configure it to fold left or right. So really easy to transport. It gives it just a nice look. And uh, it's only $112.95. But if you use that code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off. So head on over to manicorearms.com and check them out.
0: Things You Never Knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
1: Leslie,
2: thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me joining. I'm excited to be on the show. Good.
1: Um, So for those who don't know what Rally for Rights is, can you just explain what that is?
2: Um, sure. So, Rally for Our Rights, we are a nonpartisan gun rights advocacy organization that is, uh, located in Colorado. That's kind of where we're stationed. Although we're slowly moving nationwide, people would love to see us move faster. Um, but we can only keep up with, with what we can do. Um, but we focus a lot on boots on the ground activism and kind of pushing past the stereotypes of, of you know that gun owners are just Republicans or they're just these certain types of people or they're just men. It's really important to me to to really um, find. To, to have a platform where everybody who supports the right to keep and bear arms can have a voice from. So that's what, what we do. And I always say that we're different from like the NRA or from RMGO, Rocky Mountain Gun Owners here in Colorado. One of the things that makes us so different is those organizations are kind of like, here, donate to us, give us your money, and we'll fight for your rights for you. Where, although we'll take your money for sure, um, but we're much more about giving people a platform to fight for their own rights. So that's kind of about, kind of how I, how I would describe our organization.
1: Very nice. I like it. Um, and how did you, like, when did you get into politics?
2: So I've actually, I've been involved in politics for probably about 10 years. And, um, I was, I'm, I'm 39 now. So I was actually 29 when I got into politics. And just kind of, I was kind of a frustrated stay at home mom, just watching, I'm a very limited government type of person. So watching our government expand and start to trample on our rights was frustrating for me. And I jumped into politics about, about a decade ago, honestly, and just kind of became an activist for certain things that I cared about at the time, or that I felt were, um, were under attack from our government ultimately is what it is. And about a year and a half ago uh, is when I got, when I really got into the gun rights world. Um, I've always been passionate about it. I've always cared about it. But when we saw the March for Our Lives take place after the Parkland shooting in Florida, it was just super alarming to me to see hundreds of thousands of our fellow citizens in the streets demanding the government take away our gun rights. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was just the time where it was like, okay, we need to do more on this front. So although I've been politically active for as many years as I have, I've only really been involved in the gun rights on the level I am right now for about, um, about a year and a half. And did you grow up
1: shooting guns? Like have you always had an interest in guns or is that something kind of recent as well?
2: You know, I actually didn't. So I grew up in a non-political family. This is one thing that's kind of different for me than a lot of people that you meet in the gun industry or definitely in politics in general. I actually grew up in a non-political family. My parents didn't own firearms. They weren't against them. It just wasn't something that was part of my life at all growing up. And it wasn't actually until I was in my 20s that my boyfriend at the time introduced me into shooting shooting, into firearms, and I definitely had an interest in it and enjoyed it. I think it's fun. And then as I got into the political side of things, too, the two just kind of came together. But it definitely wasn't something that I grew up with at all.
1: Okay. And then Rally for our Rights, is that something that you also just started like a year and a half ago?
2: Yeah. So okay. that was, you know, we started, we basically just started because after watching the the March for Our Lives marches that were taking a place across the country, I actually just went to my Facebook page and I said, if I was to plan a march in support of gun rights, would anybody be interested in attending? And the response was just overwhelming. So I said, well, I better do this. I need to uh, just make this happen. And so we did, and within ten days we had our very first event. We planned it on social media, and without a permit, um, we went took to the streets. Actually, we started in Loveland, Colorado, um, and had our very first gun rights rally that was just aptly titled "Rally for Our Rights." And we had over five hundred people show up on the streets, many of them openly carrying, and all you know signs that were you know in, in support of the Second Amendment. And um, just had such a great, overwhelming response that that's kind of where we got started. From there, um, almost immediately, we caught wind of Boulder, Colorado, starting to talk about an assault weapons ban. Mm-hmm. So we actually took what we did in Loveland, which is a very um, conservative, you know, mellow, easygoing town. We took that same model and we replicated it two weeks later. And we had another rally for our rights another street demonstration without a permit with many people openly carrying in the heart of Boulder, Colorado, which anyone who knows Boulder knows that that is like Commieville, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And so we took that same model and we took it right to Boulder and had just enormous success there. We had about 600 people that showed up that day and it was snowing. It was cold, (laughs) but um, people care about this issue from there it turned that energy, that, that, um, action that we had gotten with the rallies on the streets. I said, we have to turn this into political action. And from there just got people connected into the organization that we started, started turning them out to city council meetings and just kind of became the modern day Paul Revere's, if it's kind of the way I put it.
1: Very nice. So I have a funny story about Boulder. My sister went to college there. And I went to go visit her a few years back, and uh, we were at some bar, and there were some guys that came up to us, and we were just like making chit-chat, and one of the guys was like, oh, what do you do for a living? And most guys, when you say, like, oh, I'm a firearms instructor, they automatically think, like, that's super hot. But when I told these guys that I was a firearms instructor, they were just like, okay, well, uh, we got to go now. <laughs>
2: oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. And I was hilarious. like,
1: uh, okay, uh, what just happened? Because <laughs> I didn't realize, like, just how anti-gun Boulder had become. Or maybe it always had been like that. But I just – I guess I just kind of assumed that, you know, majority of Colorado liked guns, but – It's crazy how much it's changed just in the last couple of years because I am from Colorado. I I did grow up here. I did spend eight years in New York City, but for the most part, I mean, I've been able to see it just really kind of alarmingly change. And that's kind of why I know a lot of my listeners, they don't live in Colorado, but I think that this is just as important because a lot of these states that are typically gun friendly are starting to be taken over by by a lot of, you know, like politics and stuff. And, uh, and it is, it's pretty dangerous. What are some of the reasons that you think it's important that we have guns and that we maintain our rights?
2: Um, you know, I think, you know, I think the issue is multifaceted, to be honest with you. I think many people within the industry or who just support the right to keep and bear arms, um, support that right for different reasons. Like for myself, I'm a single mom of three girls. And, um, you know, I'm my children's first line of defense. So for me, one of the big issues, when you step aside from the constitutional right part of it, but it's just the right to self defense and mm-hmm. my right to choose whichever firearm I believe can uh, defend my family the best or the easiest or the most effectively, you know, but then I think we also, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a constitutionalist. I have a very heavy libertarian streak and I, i just, I support our rights just overwhelmingly. So I think that's a huge part of it for me personally. And then I think that we actually do have to wonder and question what the future of this country holds. I mean, if you look at our debt and you look at some of the different situations we're in here, uh, if we have a if we have a collapse of our economy, if things just really go to hell, which I feel like is gonna happen eventually, it's gonna be an interesting situation that we're gonna be in. And the many people I think want to maintain that right to to own their firearms so that they could potentially be prepared for the worst. And I completely understand that too. So I, I think it's just such a multifaceted issue. And one thing that's really interesting working with rally for our rights is that, um, we actually have a lot of people involved in our organization who don't own firearms, but they support the right to own them if they want to. Mm -hmm. And we had, we had an event recently down at the Capitol and there was this one guy who was there who had the sign. It was so cool. And his sign said, I don't own a firearm, but I feel much safer knowing that they're carrying. And he had like arrows pointing to the side because it was gun owners Mm -hmm. all around him. And I loved that sign because it was so bold of him to say that. And, you know, he's like six foot six. He's just this big guy. And he's like, me personally, I'm a pacifist. I don't want firearms. But I like knowing that I have people around me who are trained with them and who carry them because if I end up in a situation, they can protect me. So I think that's another reason that we have people who just simply support the right, even if they don't want to own firearms themselves. Mm
1: -hmm. That's interesting because I actually didn't really think about that. But that is, you know, I, I, I guess there are actually quite a few people like that.
2: There actually are. And, you know, it's, I think it's, it's really neat for me. Um, you know, with Rally for Our Rights, we do such a good job of keeping it nonpartisan. And when we do demonstrations on the street or we do events and it, some people open carry, I really make an effort to make sure that people understand these are not open carry rallies. That's not our goal. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that is because I don't want to exclude people who, want to come and be part of this movement, but maybe, maybe right now they don't want to own a firearm for one reason or another. Maybe they just don't feel uncomfortable with it. Maybe they can't afford it. Maybe they just want to make sure that they maintain their rights. So eventually, if they change their mind, they can. And I want to make sure that those people have a place to speak from too. And they've been some of our greatest allies, our allies in our fight here in Colorado. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you, uh, what are your thoughts? Like, how do you feel about open carry to those those rallies? Yeah, you
2: know, we we have, it's kind of interesting because we have such a neat group of people who attend our events and we really have very few people who open carry rifles or long guns. It's usually just very limited to like maybe half dozen, maybe a dozen at the most out of like 600 people. You know, I would say about we have a couple hundred who usually open carry their handguns. And when we're doing these events, it honestly doesn't it doesn't bother me at all. We've we've re- we've never had any interference with police. We've never had um, counter protesters show up. They're just people are happy and they're well trained. And if there's one thing that I can definitely say is that the people who make these decisions to open carry I are the people who are very trained with their firearms. It's not just some random person who's like, oh, I can pull out my gun today and carry it on the street and having no idea what they're doing with it. We don't really see any of that. So I I don't really take issue with it. And I kind of almost think that the open carry, I, I think our society has become so scared of guns that the whole sight of a gun terrifies people. That when you have normal everyday people open carrying, that it can make them say, well, wait a second, these guns are supposed to be scary, and these people look like my neighbors. Mm-hmm. That can be kind of an interesting exercise in, in just sh- shifting society. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things that we do with our organization is we've actually adopted a highway, and we do open carry roadside cleanups. And that's a really interesting thing to have somebody open carrying an AR-15 while picking up trash and cleaning up the environment. It's difficult for people to want to judge you negatively when you're out there helping your community. And all of these other events, these rallies and things that we've had, we always combine them with a charity for the local community. Um, We've done charities for the homeless. We've done coat drives. We've done charities for the Humane Society, for a domestic violence shelter, so, for example, if you were to come to a certain event, we would say, we're doing a coat drive today, so bring coats. We, cl- we collect like a 100 coats. So it it's this whole kind of exercise in just shifting perception and making people realize that people who own guns are actually normal and they care and they give back to their community. So I think the open carry can have a little piece in that, too. Hmm.
1: You actually definitely described it in a way that I hadn't thought about it, because typically when I see... Not open carrying like a handgun, but when people go to these rallies and they're open carrying, you know, like ARs and stuff. And it's just like, dude, come on. Like, it's just, I feel like it just gives, you know, media, I guess, a little bit more like ammunition to work with. But the way that you describe it definitely kind of gives you sort of a new perspective because I guess I haven't really looked at it like that.
2: Well, and I think part of it too is that sometimes and I, I think when you've seen open carry events in the past, it tends to be this like small group of individuals who come wearing their camo and they're strapped with their mags and everything. Um but when you see somebody who maybe just comes out dressed in a suit mm-hmm. because he just got off work, but and he looks like he looks like he would be your um, you know, maybe could be your teacher or, you know, maybe you're gonna go talk to him at, you know. Charles Schwab to discuss your retirement planning. And he comes out with an AR-15. I think that looks a little bit different because all of a sudden it, it changes everything. It's, it's not these people in camo. It's not what you're used to seeing. And we do so much of that. We've got women that do this women that push strollers that will have it, have their, you know, a rifle on their back. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting because I think that's the piece of it that is, that can change um, the way society looks at gun owners. And I actually think that's really important right now because people are becoming so afraid of even the sight of a gun. Yeah. And I will say that we have had tons of media coverage for all of our events because they're all very interesting and we have never had any negative media coverage at all.
1: Hmm. Very nice. All right, so we are here with Leslie Hollywood from Rally for Our Rights, and we're just going to take a quick break to talk about Sportsman's Guide. So, Sportsman's Guide offers a bunch of different stuff. I mean, literally, it's like your go-to. It's like the Walmart for guns, guns hunting camping, shooting, uh like anything. But um I think a lot of people don't realize that they have a huge selection of optics. So I would encourage you to go over to Sports go over to Sportsman's Guide, check out those optics. Uh they have really, you know, big name brands like Leupold, Vortex, Crimson Trace, and uh they're priced really well. So head over to Sportsman'sGuide.com and tell them what we sent you. All right, Leslie. So let's talk about red flag laws. And I know that red flag laws are starting to take over other states as well. And, you know, we talked briefly over Facebook Messenger before you got on, but basically a lot of these red flag laws, they're packaged to look like it would be great for society, but there's actually a lot of dangers involved
2: yeah and you know and i actually i've been going around Colorado um speaking at just various different meetings from all all across the political spectrum on this issue in particular, and one of the things I point out is that supporting the concept of a red flag law is one thing. And then supporting the actual legislation that is being passed is totally different because the devil is always in the details of these laws. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before we got it, before the debate started here in Colorado, because we just passed one here in Colorado, um, there was a, a telephone survey that went out to like 600 Republicans in the state to ask them if they would support having the firearms removed by um by a judge for people who were deemed to be a danger to themselves or others. And overwhelmingly, people said yes, because having firearms in the hands of dangerous individuals is not a popular thing. None of us want that. We, we, we don't we don't want to see these tragedies continue to happen, especially with firearms for people like you and I who support the right and support the industry so much. So of course, the idea of taking away these firearms from these people that are are going to be a danger, of course, that's going to get overwhelming support. But what they don't actually talk about is what these laws look like. And so here in Colorado, we just passed one, and this one um, is one of the most dangerous ones that I've seen across the country because I've actually we're the fifth we're the fifteenth state to pass one of these laws, and I have done tons of research into the other ones, and Colorado's is one of the most alarming. One of the couple of the reasons why, one of the big ones is that the people the scope of the people who can actually petition to have the firearms removed is so broad. We're talking about ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends anyone you've ever been intimate with, former roommates, current roommates, grandparents, grandchildren, step-parents, step-children. I mean, it's so broad. Anyone that you've ever met on Tinder, anyone who claims to have had an affair with you, I mean, these are the people who could actually go to the court and say, this person, uh, they texted me and said they were suicidal, or I heard them say this, and I know that they own firearms. I want to try to get, they're called extreme risk protection orders. I want to try to get one of these against them. I want to have their firearms taken away. And what's really crazy about it is that they don't even have to go to court in person. They can do this over the phone. Mm -hmm. So they can actually just call the courts, make these claims. And then within 24 hours, it takes precedent over anything else in the court and will go in front of a judge. And again, the petitioner does not have to appear in person. They can actually just appear over the phone. And it's all under perjury, you know, penalty of perjury, but perjury is never, um, it, perjury is not followed up on in Colorado. I actually looked into that as well. So we're looking at such a broad scope of people. And then the judge, one thing that's, one thing that's really alarming about this is that the judge has to, Base his, um, the evidence on a prepon- or base his decision on a preponderance of evidence. A preponderance of evidence is the lowest evidentiary threshold in the court system. It means there's a 51% chance that the accusation is true. It's similar to what is used to approve and, and deny unemployment claims. Typically, like in the cases of temporary protection orders, it's clear and convincing evidence. Not this. This is easier to get to a temporary protection order. And it's free. One of the other things that I think gun owners need to understand that that's happening, especially here in Colorado, and we'll probably see it in other states, is that this this order, this temporary order is actually coupled with a with a search warrant, a gun owner specific search warrant. So when the order is issued. It actually has a search warrant attached to it. So the very first time the person who is being accused of being a threat to themselves or others even knows that this is happening is when the police are at your door with the order and a search warrant to come in and take your guns. 14 days later, you have a chance to go to court and say, actually, this was all a lie or I'm actually not suicidal or I don't want to harm anybody and then potentially can get your firearms back but that initial part with the temporary order and the search warrant i mean that's just that is just crazy to me and it's dangerous i think it's just dangerous dangerous law mhm and do you think
1: that they will actually get a court date within 14 days because that seems pretty crazy to me like typically if you have to schedule a court date there are a few months at the very least out
2: Well, so the the legislation, the the language in the legislation actually says it has to be within 14 days. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that's really interesting, and I've been working with an attorney on a lot of this stuff. Him and I are kind of bouncing stuff back and forth with each other. Um, One of the things that he brought up is that it may actually not be 14 days out. It might be three days out. And so then all of a sudden you have to get an attorney, get a mental health evaluation, all of this stuff within three days and create a case. So although his, his, he says it has to be within 14 days according to the legal language, but it could be less, which is actually alarming in itself as well, because then how do you even, Prepare how do something. you even present a case in three days mm-hmm. if they happen to have your court date three or four days later? Yeah, interesting. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, and him, he's actually a family law attorney, and, and he, him and I have talked so much about this, about how this is going to be abused so much in family law cases. I mean, right now, temporary ret- restraint orders are already horribly abused. Yeah. And I can tell you in the other states that have these, that have much better laws as far as their language goes, like Indiana requires a corroboration of evidence. Even in Indiana, they're seeing 30% of these are false reports. Wow. Yeah. So it is dangerous stuff. And I just really encourage people, if you see them pop up in your state before just saying, you know, I'm a gun owner, but I support this law, which is not rare to definitely, you know, dig in and read that language. And, you know, if you have one pop up in your state and you're not sure what to do with it, you know, get a hold of Rally for Our Rights, go to our website, contact us, and I'd be happy to read through it because it's hard to keep up with it all for sure.
1: Yeah, so I actually was under the impression I had heard that anybody could basically make like a false accusation. But then I had heard that it was just within family members that they changed it to just family members. But still, I'm like, okay, well, that still doesn't really help that much because there's always family drama. It could be like your in-laws or something like that or even like maybe your stepkid. So I didn't realize that they had...
2: Well, so the so the way it works is so actually nothing has changed. So if you hear if you listen to the media or the proponents of this bill, they say that this law allows family members or law enforcement Law enforcement to petition the courts, uh-huh. and that's actually what the summary of the bill says too. But then, when you actually get into the bill language, the the actual like line by line language is the the, the it's thirty seven pages long. When you get into that, the definition of family member they define as all those different things that I just listed wow so ex boyfriend ex girlfriend yeah and and then actually and then they actually even at one point in it they um, send you back to another section of the Colorado Revised Statutes and that's where it says anybody you've ever been intimate with whether or not you have ever lived with them i oh, mean boy. girl you uh, know it's
1: just <laughs> you know how long that list would be for me no i'm just kidding oh, oh I, <laughs> I'm just no kidding. i mean
2: it's it's just you know if you've ever done online dating you're talking about the fact that you could potentially be having You know, and and then, you know, that that could could get really long.
1: Well, yeah, Um, well, what's the definition of intimacy, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and then how do they prove that? And then can somebody just come say, could my neighbor go and say, you know, well, she had an affair, you know, we had an affair. How do you prove that you didn't have, that he did have an affair or didn't have an affair? I mean, I think that the judges are always going to err on the side of caution and they're always going to take the guns and then they can have the due process later.
1: Yeah. But so the reason why this is so dangerous also is because it is unconstitutional, typically where, you know, it it removes due process, which it's it's amazing how at this point in 2019, we're taking so many steps backwards and uh, and basically, you know, like all of our constitutional rights are just going out the window.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things about the red flag laws is, I mean, Second Amendment aside, we're talking about, you know, the Fourth Amendment due process. Mm-hmm. We're talking about um this, you know, having your home searched. I mean, all of these without without ever having faced an accuser, just mm-hmm. I mean, just an, an, through an ex parte hearing where it's only one party and the person being accused has no idea any of this is even happening until somebody comes to your door and wants to come in your home and, ta- and find your guns. It's, you know, it's dangerous. I mean, I think, I mean, I can tell you that we have 64 counties here in Colorado and each one has a sheriff and over Fifty sheriffs in the state oppose this law. Mm-hmm. Over half the counties have done Second Amendment sanctuary status because of the law. And even the Denver Police Union and the Aurora Police Union came out in opposition to this. And it's because once they dig into the things like I just talked about, they realize this is just dangerous, dangerous legislation. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to put law enforcement in, in danger mm-hmm. as well as their citizens. Mm-hmm. Which it's proven
1: to have done so already in other states.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Tell me
1: about you recently and I was gonna attend this and then of course my day just got insane. Um, so I didn't end up making the event. but tell me you recently went to the Mom's Demand action. There was a book signing and you got together just mostly women, correct? Yes, in order to just kind of have like a little a little rally outside the bookstore.
2: Yeah, so, um, so it was Shannon Watts, who's the founder of Mom's Demand Action, and Mom's Demand Action is actually the, they call themselves the grassroots arm of Every Town for Gun Safety. So she was actually doing a book signing. Her book is called Fight Like a Mother, and it's just about her, what she has done, and community organizing and all these things, although she's got Bloomberg funding her. So it's very different than what I do as a mother. Mm-hmm. But so she was down there doing a book signing at the Tattered Cover in Denver. So I wanted to get together a group of women, mothers, to go down there and just basically stand outside the bookstore with signs, letting people know that that we don't all agree with her, um, that I'm a mother too. And I support, I mean, I fight for my right to keep and bear arms while she's trying to fight to have them taken away. So it was really an interesting, it was, it was a good turnout. We still had about 20 people that showed up. A couple men came, which was fine, but I was trying to keep it mainly women without offending any men. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but it was really, it was really neat. But one of the, one of the most hypocritical things that happened that, that day was that she had within the bookstore, there was three, you know, heavily armed police, different police officers. And then there were, with inside the bookstore, another six non-uniformed so plain-clothed uh, mm-hmm. security guards who were obviously armed, and then there was another six uh, plain-clothed security guards outside with a, her SUV that had bulletproof glass. Wow! I mean, so here she is inside this bookstore. All these women are there, you know, rah rah. Let's take away everyone's guns, and then she is literally protected by probably at least twenty guns. Yeah it just hurt in this one spot. And it was just, I mean, like how hypocritical I I can't afford that. Yeah, I I, I mean, I need to defend myself and my daughters because because I can't afford that kind of private security. Mm -hmm. So it was just, I mean, such a visual hypocritical of, of how these gun grabbers just work. It's just crazy.
1: Yeah. I know It, it is absolutely, absolutely insane. And then of course, everyone always thinks like the police are going to be there to protect them, but they have no duty to protect you. That's
2: no, no, they don't. There's, and, you know, there's that's no even obligation. Been, that's even been you know come up in court now. Uh
1: huh. <laughs> but- yeah, exactly. And so it's like I just it, the the rational of of you know everyone's thinking all these people that are anti gun is just it's just ast- like astounding.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's really, um, yeah. And and just the idea that we're going to be able to just call the police and they're going to be here. I mean, if, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't live too far from my police, my police station. Um, but I do live in the country and, um, I mean, if if there if anything was to happen in my home, I mean calling the police is gonna it's they're gonna be there's gonna be too late. It's yeah. just all there is to it. I mean, I mean So the idea if that right. I can't have security sitting outside my home every day like she does or a locked gate or a bulletproof glass. I mm-hmm. mean, if what I Shannon Watts just she just if all the people in the gun in the the gun grabbing community, she's the one that bothers me the most. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so And it's funny, too, because I've heard a lot of times, like, people go, like, head over to our social media, and they'll be respectful and, like, just, you know, respectfully, like, disagree with her stances, and she just automatically deletes and blocks those people. Yeah, so she
2: had actually – so she took pictures of us outside the tattered cover that night and posted it on her Twitter. And um, anybody that said anything in support of us being there, they were just deleted automatically. That's
0: such a shame.
2: Um, You know, so it's like you're going to take pictures pictures of us and you're going to post them on your Twitter, like, ha ha, look at these moms out there. Like how cute they've got homemade signs. And it's like, yeah, we've got homemade signs because we're actually really grassroots mm-hmm. um, rather than you guys who just print out all your signs. <laughs> you yeah. know, you just have Bloomberg do it for you. Exactly. But yeah, but then if anybody wants to come in there and say, good for those moms for standing out there and supporting their right to defend their families, nope, that's going to get deleted. Yeah. So yeah, moms demand action is terrible about that. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your
1: experience at uh, Pride this past weekend.
2: Yeah, so one of the things that I really love to do with Rally for Our Rights, and this kind of goes back to our nonpartisan aspect of the organization, is and and just kind of pushing the boundaries of where I think gun rights advocacy groups have gone in the past, is I love to step out of our element and our echo chamber and kind of go into the lion's den sometimes. Uh, back in January, we actually attended the Women's March and we actually marched with the march with a great big banner that said, if you don't want to live in the handmaid's tale, don't give up your guns. And we had about 25 of us do that. That was really, a really good experience uh, back in January. So this time after that, we said, well, heck, we want to make sure that we go to Pride Fest because back in January, we had like pins and shirts and stuff made up that said gun rights are women's rights. So I turned around for Pride Fest and I made shirts and a great big banner and stickers that said gun rights are LGBTQ rights. And um, it LG- and it had an AR-15 under it. Pretty cool little a graphic that I put together. LGBTQ was rainbow. And so we actually had a booth down there. And I, our response was like unbelievable because we do a lot of different Events, we do gun shows, we do firearms festivals, we do county fairs, we do kind of any of these things we can get out to and we always get, you know, interest and people always are glad we're there and whatnot. But I have never seen the kind of positive support that I saw at Pride this weekend. It was unbelievable. Hmm. We had nonstop people at our booth. I printed, I had a hundred of these stickers made. And um, they were gone within three hours. I mean, they wiped us out of everything. I had handouts put together that are about the red flag law here in Colorado. We went through hundreds of those. It was just we have a little quiz, fire test your firearms knowledge that we take to our like nonpartisan events like, when we're stepping outside the echo chamber. Mm-hmm. People were doing those. They want to know how to get connected. So many people wanted to know um, where they where they could where they we recommend they get concealed carry permits because those in the more of the um, that community. They don't necessarily feel comfortable just going to any random place because you do end up with some of the far right mm-hmm. evangelical social conservatives mm-hmm. in the, in the firearms industry too. Yeah. So yeah, it was actually really, really cool. And I, we had no idea what to expect <laughs> at all, but they were really, people were like, I mean, they would just come up and give us high fives and say, thank you for being here. Nice. Nice. I like. Yeah, that. it it was really, really neat,
1: and that's really smart too to branch off and to reach you know different communities because it's extremely important. And I wish that more people in the gun industry thought the way that you did because it's you know it's just about kind of like approaching those people and making them seem you know I guess just less scary and and talking to them about it and educating them and then making them realize that gun owners aren't typically... Because I think, I honestly think if there was a president that, you know, like, let's say there was a Democratic candidate who was for guns, I actually think that a lot of gun people would probably vote. Like, they're not all, like, very, you know, like, extremely far right, so...
2: No, yeah, I mean, and that was one of the things that was probably the most telling from uh, this weekend was... I mean, we had some, we had, I mean, like we had people that would come up and this one one woman, you know, she's a truck driver and she's, because she works with the government, she's actually licensed to carry in all 50 States. But she says, you know, I'm, I'm a lesbian and I like my pot and I like my guns. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. And and she was, it was really neat. We had a lot of conversations like that and many of them feel politically unrepresented. And Mm -hmm. I definitely left there with a lot of my own personal thoughts about how do we, I mean, how, how do we get these people to to because they have to make a choice: do they vote for the people who are supporting the, their the LGBTQ rights, mm-hmm. or do, and then they're voting against their gun rights? And mm-hmm. it, it's just become such a split that they really definitely aren't really sure what to do. And I can understand that, especially after talking to so many of them. Mm-hmm. And so for me, as a gun rights advocate and and you know doing the activism work I do, it makes me step back and say to myself, how do we pull these people in? And I love issues based activism because that's where we could actually pull that community in with with the, all the rest of the gun rights community and we can say let's fight legislation then let's get down to the Capitol. let's fight these these bands that we're going to probably be seeing here in colorado next year because if we could get all these people on the same side against legislation we could fight the with the cause without having to get to the partisan politics of it
1: mm-hmm, absolutely so what can people do to get involved
2: with our organizations, we have, we're we online. We have a website, rallyforourrights.com. There's information there on getting connected. Uh, you can get on our email list there. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, YouTube. We do a ton of stuff just kind of whenever we hear of different things happening that even – touch on guns. Um, we're always there at the forefront of it. We do a lot of video, just lots of different stuff. So I just recommend kind of jumping in and going to our website. We have a page on there called Get Connected. On there we also have a link to a private Facebook group and I will tell you that people who get into this group are vetted. We have to know that you are supportive of the cause. And we do that because we like it to be kind of a safe space for people to go and have these conversations. The other thing about it is that in that group on Facebook, it's it's two way related only when people try to post things in there about anything else <laughs> besides gun rights. Mm-hmm. It just get, it just gets um, denied. We make sure that we keep it on that, that one specific issue, because I want people to have a place where they could all come together and have these conversations and have these discussions. And I think it has been so good. Um, with many of the different things that we've done fighting the red flag law here in Colorado, uh, we were able to really pull in people from across the political spectrum to get down to the Capitol and testify against it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we do that by by keeping the issue nonpartisan. So and that's just I, I'm so passionate about that anyways. So well, good, good. Um,
1: definitely keep up the good work. You're definitely kicking butt.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the people I've met and the, just the support we get from everything is just, is so good. I, we just grow, we were growing so fast. I, I love it. It's good to hear. Can
1: you hang out for the rest of the show? Yeah, definitely. All right. Cool. All right. So let's talk about Q. So last Friday, the side chick just came out. And you're wondering, oh, the side chick, what is that? Uh, so it's a chassis that is meant for the Remington 700. Uh, really cool features. It kind of looks like the fix. Uh, if you don't look closely, you would think that you were handling the fix. It only weighs, I think, about like two pounds, so it's really light compared to all the other chassis out there. And MSRP is about 1500. I know they were taking orders on Friday and shipping them out that evening, so head on over. Uh, they might still have some left. If not, you can pre-order them. Check it out at liveqordie.com. And that leads me into Knowledge Bomb.
0: Dropping wisdom. Slinging truth. Prepare yourself for knowledge bomb. All
1: right, so one of the weapons America would have used in the planned invasion of Japan was Little David. So don't let that name fool you because Little David is a 36-inch mortar used to test out aerial bombs. Uh, It was converted into a mobile siege gun. It fired 3,650-pound shells at a range of six miles, and it would have been the largest caliber gun ever fielded. When Japan surrendered, however, the invasion became unnecessary, and Little David, which was still in its trial phase, never saw combat. But it is pretty crazy, all of the weapons that, if you think back, like, you know, during the World War, like World War One, World War Two, all the weapons that were created back then are just like insane. Like I couldn't even imagine transporting a weapon of that size. Definitely crazy. And uh, I guess you know it's probably a good thing that they didn't have to. They didn't have to use it because, especially if it was in its trial phase, that could have been a disaster. Now it is time for the AF segment.
0: Stupid, funny, cool, interesting. Awesome. As. Never mind. A.F.
1: So Kansas police, they just tweeted, they're urging people, they put out a tweet where they're urging people not to shoot their guns at tornadoes. And it is tornado season. Um Apparently in the past, it was thought that a tornado could possibly be disrupted if it was targeted with explosive weaponry. They never tested this, obviously, because they would, you know, they couldn't create their own tornado and they didn't want to put themselves in danger by testing it. Now it appears that certain Americans have decided to test the idea out for themselves by targeting tornadoes with their personal shotguns, something which has been branded as incredibly dangerous by authorities in the state of Kansas. And that's because figure, you know, if you have to get close to the tornado, uh, the tornado could absorb that gun uh, depending on, you know, if you do fire rounds, it could basically spit out those rounds and you know hit somebody so lots of dangers involved but it's kind of uh i don't know i kind of thought that it was sort of interesting that people actually were doing this because i don't think that a shotgun would be even close to uh able to stop a tornado
2: i don't even understand the point of this (laughs) like i i i for the life of me cannot understand why people do certain things like this like doesn't make sense to me they think that somehow a a bullet is going to stop a tornado. What?
1: I know they're in Kansas. They're like, ah, oh, yeah, we saw a tornado. We're going to get our gun, our shotgun, and we're going to stop this thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, it, it it is dangerous. I mean, honestly, I mean, cool. I couldn't imagine the um velocity that that would actually. <laughs> I know. Come out come out of the tornado. I know. Um I mean, yeah, it's like here you yeah, I survived the tornado but i got shot. I mean, seriously, that just is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I agree.
1: Yeah. So guys, don't shoot your guns into tornadoes, stay away from tornadoes, take cover. So <laughs> yeah. Just found that interesting. All right, and let's talk about Sharps Bros. Sharps Bros is typically known for its really creative lowers like the Overthrow, the Jack, the Hellbreaker, the Warthog. But today I want to talk about their handguard. So they have a 13.7 inch M-Lock Ultra Light handguard. It's on sale right now for $129.45. It only weighs nine ounces and it has a really cool design. There's like some Picatinny on the back and the front. So it gives it like a really nice smooth look because if you think about it, you don't really need Picatinny throughout, you know, the entire handguard. And then it obviously has that M-Lock feature as well. Definitely go and check them out. You can find it at sharpsbros.com and uh, tell them that we said hi.
0: QA. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours.
1: One of the Patreons wanted to know, if you won the lottery, what would you do? And I don't know. I guess I always kind of... In the back of my mind, I kind of, you know, I'm sure everybody always thinks about this. Like, if you won the lottery, what would you do? Um, but personally, I don't think that I would change a lot. And I know that that's going to sound like just a really boring answer, but I'm not unhappy with my life. I always, like, I'm a firm believer in create the life that you, what is it? Like, create the life that you love, not the life that you need a vacation from. There's, like, some saying like that. And I've always kind of been a firm believer of that. Do you know what I'm talking about, Leslie?
2: Oh yeah, I I actually live um pretty much the exact same way. I've been through some some tragedy in my life, and if there's anything tragedy will will teach you, it's to appreciate everything you have today. So
1: I completely agree. I was actually just reflecting on that this morning, and so and and it also makes you realize, you know, things that I think a lot of people tend to. I mean, I like material stuff, obviously. Like I like guns. I like having a nice house. But at the end of the day, things you know that you can buy. You're not going to take it with you when you die. So I think what's most important in life is just like creating memories and uh, creating like strong relationships with people. So if I won the lottery, um, I probably would even stay in the same house that I have, just because I am very proud of my house. I live alone and I was able to buy my house without the help of anyone. So I'm like extremely proud of it. I uh, just you know I really like it. It's decorated just exactly like how I want it to be decorated I think the only thing that would be nice is like you know maybe I could help more people I could buy whatever I want like I wouldn't have to like look the price on something but yeah for the most part I don't know I guess I've never I think it's I think it's nice to be comfortable and I'm not saying like hey guys money doesn't mean anything because it is nice to have you know like be, be financially stable but I think that money a lot of times like it doesn't bring happiness and I've seen a lot of people have a lot of money and they end up you know they're extremely depressed or they've committed suicide and so it just kind of gives you you know sort of a I personally have a different perspective on it but what would you do if you won the lottery
2: Um, you know, for me, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm very much, I agree very much with what you said. And it's funny because I'm actually, um, I've been, I've been, I've lived alone. Um, I was, I've been, I'm divorced, but I've lived alone for the last 10 years. So I also have kind of built my life up to this place where I'm happy and I have the things I want. It's been all the hard work that I've done and put behind it. And I'm really proud of that. And actually, I think it feels really good. But at the same time, you know, yeah, I, I, I would love to travel more. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think travel's fantastic. But I would actually probably, you know, I would if I had if I won the lottery today, I'd probably put a lot of it back into Rally for our rights and just this fight for our gun rights. Because it it, it's so important to me, and I feel like the investment in that it's it's very valuable. Mm -hmm. I'd probably also do some stuff. My family is heavily involved in dog rescue, um. So I'd probably you know spend some time and some money on that and that aspect of it as well. But I think for me, it would just be I I would probably get the things that I want that I don't have, which isn't really a whole heck of a lot. And if I had a huge house, it'd be a lot to clean. So I don't yeah. really want to do that.
1: But so you can get a clean um, lady. I want
2: to just invest it back into something that would offer value to the rest of the world. That's just the kind the of, kind of person I am. Yeah.
1: Well, I actually was thinking about like the dog rescue or animal rescue and stuff like that as well this morning because I am such an animal lover. Um, yeah. But it's kind of, I don't know. It's like, it's crazy. And then I also don't think if I won the lottery, I don't even think I would tell anybody. Because I feel like then all these people would come out of the woodwork and, you know, and how, like I've heard so many stories where people win the lottery and then like a few years, like they end up spending it like super quickly and then, or they're just like, you know, a few years later they get interviewed and they're like, I wish it never happened. I wish I never won the lottery. And it's just like, it's crazy. Like how many people have, you know, had very similar uh, thoughts on that afterwards.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, money, um, you know, money, it's, it, evil follows money, honestly, yeah. in so many ways. And, uh, people, there's some people in this world who are just, I mean, they're, they're just, there's not good people and they're, they're greedy. And yeah, so i I'd probably also want to keep it quiet. Yeah. <laughs> if all of a sudden I started buying all my like, you know, dream guns, then you'd probably know. <laughs> I know. So that's what I was
1: thinking. I was like, well, I'd probably get like a nicer car and I'd probably, you know, it'd be nice to like buy whatever guns I wanted or maybe my own range. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean other than that, like I don't think there really isn't a whole lot that I really need. Which is good. That actually like it makes me happy to come to that conclusion. Cause then I think that, you know, it means like, hey, I think I'm doing okay with my life.
2: So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and are you and you don't and you aren't um too caught up on material things and, and just the Yeah. idea that more material things or a larger house or a yacht or something is going to make things somehow better especially Mm -hmm. when you already can live in a place where you say actually my life is pretty good Mm -hmm. so yeah and that's where i'm at honestly i I just i'm i do what i'm passionate about and love the people that that i care about so it's it's a good life yeah
1: all right so yeah those are our boring answers
2: (laughs) (laughs) nothing too exciting (laughs)
1: yeah all right so now polymer 80 A lot of people have expressed concern that if they buy a polymer eighty that isn't serialized, that they're just afraid of the legal issues involved with afterwards. Like if they ever had to use it to defend their lives with. So I got good news for you guys. They do offer serialized frames. You are going to have to find a dealer. It's not like you can't just buy it off of the website um, on polymer eighty, but they do offer that. So um, that's a nice alternative for you. Otherwise, if you guys just want to continue to do what you do and buy those P-80 frames and make your guns at home, uh, go to polymer 80com use the code GUNFUNNY, and that gets you 10% off.
0: Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now.
1: So there's like a huge fiasco going on right now uh, with High Point. I don't know if you've heard, but basically High Point, they came out with a new gun. I saw it at SHOT Show. Um, it was just the, they they hadn't like, I think it was just the, uh, the prototype that they had on display, but they recently told the public like, hey guys, we want you to name what this model should be. So they created a little page on their website, named the nine, and lots of people, you know, kind of stated their opinion. One of the most popular names was the Yeet Cannon, and that was quickly gaining momentum. You saw it all over Instagram. And then everyone woke up yesterday and looked on the website, and they noticed that it was gone. And now they have on their website, it says, It took some time, but we have narrowed down the names to our 10 favorite entries. So. Really, it wasn't, you know, due to like the popular vote. It was just like, hey, put out a few names and we'll pick our favorites. And right now it's limited to like the C-19, the C-9-G-2, A-M-P-9. So long story short, everyone's a little upset that, you know, even though the Yeet Cannon uh, obviously had the most votes, it now is not one of the options for uh, for the model name. So after everybody kind of, you know, expressed their opinion, made a bunch of, you know, memes and stuff about High Point, uh, then High Point came forward and said, oh, we're just kidding. Uh, We are going to consider that name now. So we'll see what happens. I think they said that they're going to announce it. I think it was from June 25th to the July 15th, but I could be wrong, but you know, there's just, there's never a dull moment going on in the gun community.
2: <laughs> no, this whole story has been funny. I've actually followed it from the beginning. <laughs> so, Have you? So what did yeah, you... Yeah, it's just, well, it's hilarious. So like one of the things that they did, um, this was actually just a couple, like a week ago or something, was they came out and said that there were 7,880 entries. Yet if you add up the ones that they... um that they posted it's only it's like less than a thousand mm-hmm. or it's like just over a thousand it's like well, where are the other six thousand entries link
0: right um
2: you know it's it was just kind of funny yeah and then all of a sudden it was clearly the the you know the yc9 which i actually thought was pretty cool yeah and i mean I, to me it's it i think it's it's I think it's kind of a neat idea. It's trendy. People would probably buy it because of the actual reason. But and then them to be like, yeah, um, no, that's a little bit too cool for us. I know, <laughs> but I, so what I don't
1: understand is like high point, they don't take themselves seriously. They know what they are. They know what they offer. They're not trying to be, you know, something that they're not. Um, and even the employees, like they'll kind of, you know, chuckle around with like the high point jokes and stuff. So I would have thought that they would have gone with it. And if anything, it would have increased sales because I personally, I probably would have bought one just like, yeah, look at me. I got my, you know, my YC9. And so I think it would have, if anything, bolstered sales. So it's just crazy that, you know, they were like, Oh, uh, okay, pump the brakes. This is a bad idea. How are we going to, you know, try to get rid of this? So, but it is yeah, as it, a... It, it,
2: it's- it sounds like something people would shoot at a tornado though. Yeah, I know, right?
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so uh. true. Yep, so anyways, we'll see what happens. We'll see if the Yeet Cannon is actually going to become the bot the the name of their next model, but time will tell. All right, now iTunes reviews. So this is the last two iTunes reviews. So if you guys haven't left us an iTunes review, definitely, I know iTunes is kind of a pain, but I greatly appreciate it. If you have an iPhone, it's pretty easy. Just download that little, you know, or get on your uh, iTunes app and then search for Gun Funny and leave a review that way. Otherwise, you could always leave a review on Facebook as well at uh, on the Gun Funny Facebook page. But the last two reviews are, first one is Double B and Chive On, five stars, titled GF. Ava is way more knowledgeable and hotter than she lets on. Enjoy her sincere chats with guests and honesty. Well, I really appreciate that. Today, I don't feel like I'm much more knowledgeable. (laughs) You know when you're just like having one of those off days and you're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) I need more coffee. Yeah, I'm having one of those, but I appreciate it. And then the second one is Poetry on Cracker, or Poetry on a Cracker, five stars, already won a patch, great show, stop, I don't need another patch. All right. So, Leslie, out of those two, pick a winner for me to send a patch to.
2: Um, well, I would probably say the double B and Chyvon gets the patch, <laughs> the other guy said he doesn't need another patch. So. Yeah, that's
1: that's actually, you know, that's good a uh, good choice.
2: But actually, I mean, if I was to actually just say the better review, that would be it anyways. Yeah, it was a nice review. It was very nice. <laughs> All
1: right, guys. We are going to wrap up. Uh, if you want to find us, just go to gunfunny.com. There's links to everything on there. And uh, if you can't get enough of us, think about, you know, consider becoming a Patreon. We're always having a lot of fun on our Patreon-only Facebook page. Just a dollar a month gets you access to our Patreon only Facebook page. Otherwise, five dollars you get a chance to win a monthly raffle. Fifteen dollars you get like limited edition t-shirts or, you know, your choice of a patch or anything every three months. And then the $25 Patreons get their name shout out on the show. Those $25 Patreons are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Charger Arms, Ryan Morrison, Kevin Brittingham, Michael Alexio, and Silencer Shop. And all of your Patreon goes back into the show. It allows me to buy, you know, better equipment, better camera gear. I can afford an editor, so Kenny Ortega, who has been with Gun Funny for quite a while now. Uh, So if you think the show sounds better, it's because of Kenny. Really appreciate what you do for us, Kenny. Thank you. And our king of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. If you would like to overthrow Jon Snow, all you have to do is pledge $101 or more. And uh, basically, the king of the Patreon will say whatever you would like us to say. So today, John would like us to say that when J. Robert Oppenheimer said, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, he wasn't referring to the atomic bomb. He was referring to the Operator Tickles Halloween costume he was wearing. And if you guys are not familiar with Operator Tickles, that is my dog, uh, don't let that cute little four-pound dog fool you. She is very much Operator AF, and we now have Operator AF Tickle stickers on the website at gunfunny.com forward slash shop. And if you guys are thinking about becoming a patron, just go to patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. And then last but not least, the tag pack giveaway. Once a month we are giving away a tag pack. All you have to do to enter is go to gunfunny.com forward slash TP and uh, just put your your name your email we draw a lucky winner at the end of the month otherwise if you can't wait you want to get your Tech pack now just head on over to TechPack.com. use the code gunfunny and you'll get a free SOG tool and Leslie thank you once again for joining me today can you just tell listeners one more time where they can find you
2: uh, sure. Yeah. And thanks, you know, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity, No, of uh, but yeah, people can find us at rallyforourrights.com or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.
1: All right, guys. So go give her a follow and we're out of here.
0: Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.